1: Hey, welcome back. It's Stephen Holder here with another episode already. The second episode of Horseshoes with Stephen Holder. Everything Indianapolis Colts. That's what we talk about here on this podcast, as you probably know. So hope you were with me on the first one earlier this week. Figured to give you a little bit of a bonus podcast going into the New York Jets matchup this Sunday in the Meadowlands. I'll be there. going to hopefully catch up with some family in the area as well on Saturday, so getting a little bit of a two-for-one here, so that'll be fun, and as for the game, I tell you, I I am looking forward to this. I think it's the schedule, as we talked about, does finally soften for the Colts, but I don't know that I would call any game easy right now. They've got their own problems, so uh, we'll see how that goes, but I think definitely the Colts uh, got a little bit of a more favorable matchup this week than certainly last week. Thursday night in Foxborough against New England, so we'll see how it goes. They are still beat up, though, and I'll start by jumping into some of the injuries, uh, but I'll kind of lay out for you what I'm going to hit on today, some some interesting topics and some, I'm kind of all over the place today, but uh, I'll hit on injuries, we'll also talk about a guy I think you'll be very interested to hear a little bit about. I had a very interesting conversation this week with Tyquan Lewis, remember him? Yeah, I'm going to tell you a little bit about the second round pick, who you haven't heard about in a couple of months. I uh, also want to talk about another young guy who's been kind of uh, top of mind to some extent, uh, at least he was on Thursday, uh, and that's Quincy Wilson, a second round pick himself from 2017. What is going on there? There is so much to talk about on that front. Very, very interesting situation there. And then I also want to talk about a young linebacker who has really kind of caught my eye. And I want to kind of give you some thoughts on him. So we'll get to that here in a little bit. But at the top, let's just start with injuries. It's always a story around here. <laughs> Certainly this year. Uh, and I think the thing to start with is T.Y. Hilton, Jack Doyle, nothing new there. I, they're out this week as far as I can tell. Jack Doyle, I just I haven't heard any real movement on that front for quite some time ty i haven't really seen ty a whole lot he's been spending a lot of time in the training room so i haven't even seen him around the locker room this week so that doesn't seem to be moving along very quickly which is what i heard initially i heard from a source that he was going to be down for a while uh, a couple of days after he initially hurt that hamstring and that source looks to be right so far so not great news there but there is good news on the Anthony Costanzo front. He's practiced this week and looks pretty good so far. So we'll see where that goes. Uh, they got Darius Leonard back in practice this week. He looks like he's on track to play. So that will uh, be an op- this will I should say be an opportunity for him to continue uh, the tear that he's been on after missing that one game in New England. So. Uh, not great news, obviously, at right guard. You know what happened, I imagine, by now with Matt Slauson with that really scary back injury that he wasn't clear about until after uh, after the game, got home and, and got the test done. Uh, he's got a really serious back injury, and, and that thing could have been just really devastating had, had it gotten any worse during the game. But he played through it because that's who he is. Uh, but he's out. He's on IR, as you know. So Braden Smith, you're up. You know, we saw him last week at right tackle, and I thought he played pretty acceptable level, uh, an acceptable level of football. The young Auburn product over there, and we'll see. I, I think he's he's going to be a better fit at guard, just because I talked to him last week about his level of experience at tackle, and the, the kid hasn't played a lot of tackle. He played a little bit of tackle at Auburn, but he's a guard. He's practiced at tackle, granted this season but his natural and long-term position has been guard. So I think in the long term, you have to assume that he's just going to be better there because he's going to be more comfortable. Now, it doesn't mean he he can't play tackle and doesn't mean he won't be successful if they ever elect to play him there. But I got to believe that for right now, he's going to be the right guard. So we'll see what happens there. That's where his snaps have been coming, uh, sort of behind Matt Slauson. He was number two on the depth chart there. So that's the natural move. So we'll see what happens. Uh, and then Ryan Kelly is a guy I think we need to watch. Uh, we'll let R- Frank Reich speak for himself on Friday, but uh, Ryan Kelly is really questionable for this game, and that would be an issue. So we'll have to see how that goes. One guy who I think bears mentioning here, Clayton Gathers. You know, when, when I was sitting in the press box on Thursday night last week, and they announced that Clayton Gathers had a neck injury, my heart dropped, right? Because I like the guy. He's a great kid. He's not a kid, but I'm old. And, you know, we know what his history is, okay? He had, those, uh, he had those two bulging discs in his neck a couple of years ago, about a year and a half ago. And, you know, that was such a, a potentially devastating injury and had to have neck surgery done. We didn't know. know what the long-term effects may be there missed a lot of time but he came back play has played you know fairly well so when they said he had a concussion and a and a neck injury i mean that was not good news the good news though now that some time has passed you know what's become clear is that the neck issue on in this particular case with clinton gathers the neck issue was related to the concussion. Now, that's not a positive, necessarily. You know, concussions are horrible, and we don't. We all know that they have long-term effects of varying degrees, etc., right? But, at least as it relates to his neck and the issues he had back in 2016, this does not appear to have any relationship to that. So, whether this is one of those burners, or you know, quote-unquote, or sort of a, a nerve issue in the, in the The neck area—I'm not 100% sure on that, but I can tell you that Clayton Gathers was in practice on Thursday on a limited basis. So I'm not telling you he's going to play on Sunday. I'm actually thinking that there's a good chance he might not, just out of precaution and an abundance of caution. And he's got to pass concussion protocol first of all. But uh, but at least in the long term, this doesn't seem to be an issue where. Uh, they're going to have major issues, or Clayton Gethers is going to have major issues. Uh, this obviously begs the question the move the Colts made this week to sign Mike Mitchell, longtime Pittsburgh Steeler. That was very interesting, and he's not a bad player. Uh, he is 31 years old, so he's not going to be as productive as he once was. But it, it's interesting. I got to think right now it's a depth move. Matthias Farley's still down, he's got assorted injuries, and maybe he's the guy that prompted this move now that we've had a chance to step back and learn what's going on with clayton Gathers, i lean more towards saying that uh that matthias farley is a big factor here they needed depth matthias farley plays a lot of snaps because they do play a three safety rotation the colts so it's not as if him being out of the lineup is is inconsequential it, it's a it's an issue for them so so let's see what happens uh Mike Mitchell is probably more suited to play strong safety. He's a little bit of a hitter. He does like to come downhill on guys. So I I think that kind of works if he has to play for Clayton Gathers or if he has to, you know, sub in for Matthias Farley. Um he's gonna be the guy who I presume would, you know, go in the box, perhaps, and at least be the strong safety, let Malik Hooker continue to play his free safety role on the back end. So it works out that way. It makes a lot of sense. And I'm very interested to see whether Mike Mitchell plays on Sunday. Uh, Frank Reich left the door open for that. And I think it's on the table. It may become necessary, frankly. Um, I got to think the Colts don't love their safety depth behind uh, those other guys because, I mean, they do have a couple guys, and, you know, Odom and Corey Moore. But to go out and, and sign a free agent suggests to me. Uh, maybe they're not real high on those guys. I don't know. That's that's my speculation there, but uh, I think it it bears mentioning. So anyway, that's a little bit of a spiel on injuries. Uh, always lots to cover on that front. So I promised you a little bit of an update on Taekwon Lewis. So I want to transition to that here. Speaking of injuries, and you know, first of all, let's talk about Taekwondo. You know, one of their four second round picks that they had this year. They were really excited about him. He was the guy who I think I knew least about uh, from that haul of second round picks uh, for a couple of reasons. Number one, I wasn't sure you know, how he fit into their scheme and then I didn't know what position he'd play. So those were questions I, I that were outstanding for me. Now, we got to training camp and about a week and a half in, all of a sudden, Tyquan Lewis is on the sideline. Now we had no idea that this was going to be a long-term injury, but as it turned out, he had a, a toe slash foot injury, and it really became a problem. It just didn't heal. So, you know, those things can linger. Uh, something as little as a toe on a you know 280-pound guy can can be a big issue, especially when you're you're trying to push off as a defensive lineman. So, not surprising that that would happen, but but certainly disappointing. So. Anyway, here we are now, what, going into week six, and I figured it was time to ask him, hey, how are you doing? Because he's a candidate to come back to the roster with the injury reserve return option you now have, as you are probably familiar with. So I asked him about it, and his eyes lit up. He's like, man, I got two weeks to go. I'm like, what do you mean? He's like, yeah, I'm eligible to, to play in two weeks. I'm like, okay, slow your roll. First of all, you're not playing in two weeks, but... Over the course of the conversation, I did learn that he has made a lot of progress. He has started some field work. I'm actually working on a story for The Athletic on this particular subject, so I'll be able to get into more depth there, but I'm giving you guys a little bit of a sneak peek here. What what he told me is that uh, he's, he's done the rehab for the most part, and he's just now started field work. Now, he's got to get in better shape, and he's not doing a whole lot on the field just yet, but... Uh, But I also was told by another source that within a couple weeks, they'll have a better sense of his timeline. And they do have, if if everything goes according to plan, the, the Colts do very much want to bring him back. And what I can also tell you is that there is absolute, total excitement about this guy. They think he's the real deal. Now, I have no way of knowing. I don't know if this guy is worth a damn at all. But I can tell you they drafted him pretty high, right? We can say that. And secondly, they have they have shown to have made some decent picks, I think, in that front seven already. So I'm going to give them some benefit of the doubt right now. I mean, I look at what Kamoko Terrace has been able to do. Not a guy who, who people gave rave reviews for on draft night, right? But he looks like he might be a player. Darius Leonard, same thing. Not a pick that, that maybe everyone was in total agreement about, but there's no question the guy's a player, and he's really just scratching the surface right now. So so we'll see if they can make it 3-for-3 three three up front on defense this year uh, when and if they get, if and when, they get Taequann Lewis back. But uh, they're stoked about this guy. I am not exaggerating. I tell you, I was told today that uh, they think he can have a similar impact as a Darius Leonard which I thought was an insane statement <laughs> okay and I don't know if it's true but that was the version that I got so we will see um I'm even more curious to see this guy now but you know the the, the other thing about him I talked about you know what position is Tyquan Lewis is he an edge player is he a a, a nickel pass rusher and so I think right now the book on him at Coltech Quarters is that he's going to be a three technique defensive tackle so that just gives them more flexibility there. They've got Danico Autry. They've got Marcus Hunt playing there as well. Uh, look, I, I think he can probably play multiple spots, but but long-term, if and when Tycon Lewis becomes a starter, I think as we sit here today, the Colts envision him as being a three technique. So that's something that I, I think we'll have to let play out. But you might see that guy before long. So So keep that in the back of your heads and it's something, I think, to uh, to kind of revisit here in a few weeks, and it would be very interesting. Like I said, I mean, they're going, I've said this repeatedly, they're going young this year. They want to know if these young guys can play, so if they can get through 2018, if they can get to the end of 2018 and have some idea of whether Taequann Lewis is a player, then I think that really sets them up uh, even a little bit more for 2019, so that's something, uh, as I said, to keep an eye on. So, Uh, Let's pause for a minute here uh, for a word from our sponsor. I'll be back in just a moment.
0: Hey, Colts fans, it's Matt Dainley from the Colts cast. Have we got a great deal for you? Let me tell you about TickPick, this amazing app to buy tickets to any game, concert, or other event. Are you looking for tickets to this week's game and want to know exactly what you're going to pay for those tickets? I do. And if you do too, then TickPick and their amazing and simple app is right up your alley. The TickPick app is extremely easy to use, and best of all, there are absolutely no surprises at checkout. Listen, you find the game, you find the seats you want, and you're all set. Think StubHub without any fees. You get the same ticket, same seller, but absolutely zero fees. You save 10 to 15% on every ticket order. And get this, for our listeners, they're offering you an amazing offer of $20 off of every order over $49 between now and November 15th. All you have to do is enter Stampede 20 as your gift code at checkout. This isn't a sign-up only offer either. They went all in for you guys. Not only do I use TickPick, but I approached them and wanted to get the word out about this company because it was so stinking easy. And nobody likes to find the seats they want, then get that smack in the face at checkout of another $35 to $40 and fees being added. I'll never use another ticket app again. It's very user friendly and you get the same great tickets with lightning quick ticket transfers. Remember that's tick pick and use the gift code stampede 20 to save yourself $20 on any order of $49 or more. Go to tick pick and take advantage of this crazy offer today. A hundred percent verified Colts tickets without any fees. Remember that's tick pick. Get the app today.
1: All right. Welcome back. Steven Holder here with horseshoes with Stephen Holder. So I just talked about, a young player they're really high on the colts and tyquan lewis and and you know what his uh short and long-term outlook might be once he gets healthy uh, i think i want to take a cha- uh, take a moment now to talk about another young player who <laughs> i think is a similar enigma but but for much different reasons and that's quincy wilson so who is quincy wilson where is Quincy Wilson I mean <laughs> I wish I had great answers for you but I'll tell you I'll bring you up to speed on what's going on here this is obviously their 2017 second round pick he's a he's a corner a very important position not one where they've really uh, I think got a ton of depth so you'd like to see some guys really emerge and I brought this up today because you know Matt Iberfluos was doing his weekly press conference, and I said, You know, where is he at? What's going on with him? And he's coming off a concussion now. So he's been out for, I think, three weeks. And I don't know the severity of this concussion. I don't know if they've brought him back slowly. I don't know if, I don't know what to make of that. But the, the point is, he's been practicing this week. It looks like he's going to be cleared neurologically to play. But uh, ask Eberflus okay, so where's he at? And It was very, very interesting. This started an interesting conversation. And so Matt Eberfuss went on to kind of say some really nice things about Quincy. He said, you know, since he's been back this week, because he hasn't practiced in quite a while, but he said since he's been back this week, which would be, I guess, Monday, Wednesday, Thursday so far, he said, you know, uh, I'll, I'll read you the quote here. He says, we've got him in some spots where he's going to be in there, meaning, you know, they're working him into the game plan. And he's got some packages, I assume, where he's going to be involved. Uh, whether he's going to be active, he didn't give any clues about that. But uh, but it looks like you know he's got a possible role in this game if he's going to be cleared and he's going to be active, which is not up to Iberflus. But you know, he said, we're still looking at all those things. But I think he's got good energy. He brought good energy these last couple of days. And I like how he is executing. I think he's into it, et cetera, et cetera. But there's always a but with these things he made it clear that <laughs> that this has not always been the case. And they are very, very, I think, t- very much taking a wait-and-see approach with Quincy Wilson. So he continued to say, this is Matt Eberflue, defense coordinator, this is a day-to-day business. And you've got to bring it every day. You've got to show every single day that you have passion, emotion, and that you love the game of football. Do you show that every day? That's something we talk to our players about. <laughs> And I think one of those players clearly is Quincy Wilson. And so, you know, one of the things that he added here, Heberflus, is that he says it's not necessarily, or excuse me, not necessarily talking about one player, even though he is talking about one player. (laughs) But it's one thing to be a quote-unquote flash player. Hey, he plays good for one practice, and then all of a sudden it goes away, (laughs) quote-unquote. We want guys to be able to sustain that enthusiasm, sustain your passion, and truly love the game of football. Those are the kinds of guys we want on this team. Okay, ladies and gentlemen, I don't see any compliment in there. That is, in my estimation, okay, and I can only read between the lines, but I don't think that's very vague. I think that is Matt Averford's way of saying, Quincy Wilson, you got a lot to prove. And this is where it gets really interesting. I, I think for Quincy Wilson, uh, they want to see whether whether he really wants this. I, it, it's clear to me now. And look, we complained a lot about, and I heard a lot of complaints, I should say, uh, uh, last year about Chuck Pagano and his staff and their handling of Quincy Wilson. And I understood it. And I wondered for a time there whether they were just being stubborn. They always have been when it came to to young players under Chuck Pagano. I mean, he always opted to play the veterans, right? And I wondered whether that had a lot to do with Quincy Wilson not being out there, right? The second round pick, man, right? And uh, on a 4-12 and team, shouldn't he be playing? But you heard a lot of these same things from the staff last year. Ted Monachino, the former defensive coordinator, he had almost exact criticisms for Quincy Wilson. and And that was kind of frowned upon by fans, I remember at the time you know trying to kind of get my head around it and i got to tell you this is now the second staff who is repeating the same criticisms about quincy wilson so at some point the problem is not the problem's no longer the coaching staff staffs with an s plural the problem's the player <laughs> OK, and I can't really pinpoint the problem exactly because you kind of have to read between the lines and they're being vague and they're trying to be nice. And I get all that and I understand it. But there's something going on there. And he's there's something here where Quincy Wilson's not pulling his weight. And I don't know exactly what's going on, but it definitely seems like uh, there's a couple things that I think have been obvious to me as um, practice performance apparently is not up to snuff. Now, I can't vouch for that because during the season, we in the media, we only get to see uh, the individual portion of practice. So we can't see what happens in the team portions, you know, for obviously for competitive advantage reasons. We get to see that in training camp only. But it's clear to me there's there's something going on there. Uh, his practice performance clearly has not been, at least it appears, I should say, has not been... Um, consistent at least. And then when they start talking about your passion for the game, I mean, I just don't ever see that as a positive. Uh, I think that says to me, coaches are wondering whether you really want this. And they're, they're making those judgments for a reason, whatever those reasons might be. There's something there that is leading them to that conclusion. So the ball is in Quincy Wilson's court here. He's got to do something to change the narrative among his coaches, because it's not just going to happen, all right? They're fine going and playing these other guys. They're fly, They're fine playing Nate Heirston and Pierre Desir and and Kenny Moore. I mean, they're playing Chris Milton at this point. Uh, they're they're going to do it. I mean, if they don't see a huge difference between you and those other guys, there's no incentive for them to put you in there. And the other thing is, just as just a general rule, if you're not a complete upgrade if you're not a clear upgrade from another guy and and they don't they can't count on you to be a clear upgrade, well then why would the coaches reward you by playing you over other guys if you're not getting it done in practice and and that's where this becomes uh for for any coach no matter what player you're dealing with, no matter what the situation, you do have to worry about you know sort of what is the What is the the message you're sending, right? And what does it say to to your other players in terms of how you handle a certain kid? So that's that's one of the challenges here, too, for Quincy Wilson or for the coaches and their handling of Quincy Wilson. So uh, that's something to kind of keep in mind as this moves forward. And, you know, the other thing here is, look, there's been a lot of talk about Terrell Basham, you know, Zach Banner even. Who was the Colts' fourth-round pick? Who uh, Chris Ballard cut going into last season, and then uh, last week, uh, the 2017 third-round pick, uh, Terrell Basham. So he gets waived, claimed by the Jets. They'll see him Sunday, I guess. And you know, look, that's not a that's not a great resume builder for you, right? When you cut your th- your third and fourth picks from a from a particular draft, your first draft. But the other thing to add here now. Quincy Wilson is the second round pick. So we've got issues now with this the second, third, and fourth round picks from 2017. The difference though is, and it's fine to criticize. Like I'm not I'm not here to be Chris Ballard's agent. And I can I can tell Chris Ballard to his face that he sucks and he would probably not be upset about it. So I'm not afraid of of offending Chris Ballard, because he can take it, which is probably not the case for his predecessor, but that's another story. But he can take it. So let's not worry about Chris Ballard's feelings. Now, these are questions that need to be asked. But I want to I want to point this out. This situation with Quincy Wilson is not the same as Basham and Banner. Those guys didn't get it done, didn't show any flash, didn't show any signs that they could get it done. The difference here is I've seen Quincy Wilson make some plays. I haven't seen enough of it. And I haven't seen it often enough, granted. But I've seen enough to know, okay, that kid has some redeemable qualities. That kid can play football. So the, the challenge here is and it, look, there's, there's a challenge for the kid to get it together, but there's also a challenge for the coaches. They got to bring it out of him. They have to bring it out of him because he's got redeemable qualities and this challenge is as much on the shoulders of Frank Reich and, and Matt Eberflus to get it out of Quincy Wilson as it is, as much as it is on Quincy Wilson himself. So I'm not letting the coaches off the hook here either because this kid can play football. And I, I believe that. I firmly believe that. And whether they can bring it out of him and, and hold him accountable and, and all those good things, that's up to them. So it's a situation I'll be watching because I think he's worth the effort. So we will watch that play out. And we'll see what happens Sunday if he's up, if he's active, and if he plays. Uh, let's talk about another guy. I'm on this. I'm all on these tangents tonight. A a lot of these young players I just wanted to hit on. I have all these like random thoughts that I accumulate because I'm very random. And, uh, the podcast is perfect because I can just like sort of regurgitate all this stuff. I think about like, you know, in the shower or when I'm watching practice and I don't have anybody to tell it to. So I tell it to you. So let's talk about an interesting young man. I, I am telling you something here. Uh, Anthony Walker, second-year linebacker. This guy is starting to grow on me. I don't know if, if I'm the only one, but I really believe that he's starting to grow on me a little bit. And I'll tell you why. I like a couple of things I've seen from him. He's got some physicality that I really like, and that's important from your middle linebacker to show that, that physicality and to be a little bit of a thumper without being like Antonio Morrison thumper, right? Like meaning all you can do is hit. <laughs> okay, Anthony Walker can run too. And so he wouldn't be out there if he couldn't because that's such a huge prerequisite when it comes to playing in this particular defensive scheme. You have to be able to run. Well, Anthony Walker has shown, I think, uh, some I think very adequate speed the last few weeks, and I'm actually really intrigued by this guy. I think he's starting to get comfortable. He's starting to to show that he can be a potential playmaker for this defense, and I, I tell you, the combination of him and and Darius Leonard playing in the middle of that defense, that has a lot of potential. I am really starting to think that's a, a really good tandem right there. Uh, they don't really have a mainstay. At their strong side, uh, you know, Zaire Franklin's been in and out. Um, so certainly, Najee good, but that position's really not critical. Uh, it doesn't play a lot of snaps. You're probably in there for first down, then you're out, right? So it doesn't matter as much. But the middle linebacker does play a lot more snaps. So the fact that I think they're they're getting some instinctive play out of Anthony Walker that really bodes well for them. Now, let's be honest, they're really young in the middle of that defense. Okay, they're young everywhere, but. But certainly at linebacker, that's the youngest unit on the entire team. I think out of the six guys they kept on the final roster, I believe like five of them were first or second year players, which is like just stupid. I mean, it's crazy. But but they're talented. It's not a bad unit. I I like these guys. And as I said, Anthony Walker really starting, I think, to. To really get comfortable. I mean, last year, he just didn't play very much. Had some injury issues. And had some injury issues this year as well. Uh, Missed a lot of training camp. But to be able to come in after missing, I think, the whole preseason. Don't quote me. But I think the whole preseason. To be able to come in and basically, in week two, hit the ground running. Start the game. And now you're clearly a starter. Uh, to to make up that much ground and that get acclimated that quickly it tells you I mean look he's got something and, and they really gave him that opportunity and he took advantage of it. so I just want to give a shout out basically to Anthony Walker and I, I really have seen him start to emerge again, have patience. they're young. they ain't gonna be pretty all the time but I think you're starting to see him show a nose for the football uh, starting to to understand what the offense is trying to do. All those things come with maturity. And he's a smart football player. Darius Leonard's a smart football player. So they're going to be able to grow at a faster rate because of, I think, their their cerebral nature and and that aspect of their talent. So just something to kind of keep in mind. Keep an eye on Anthony Walker. I think he's starting, to, as I said, to, to really take a turn here, maybe turn the corner toward becoming a player. So we'll see. It's early. But uh, but I'll be watching. Uh, and I'll be watching Sunday. And that's when they play the Jets. And look, here's what I'd say as I start to wind this down. This is an opportunity game, certainly. But look, man, I- I'm telling you. Anytime you go on the road in the NFL, you're playing a team that just came off a huge rushing performance. Okay, a 300-yard rushing performance, which is astounding. There are challenges every week. The Colts could lose this game. They absolutely could lose this game, okay? In fact, I don't know what the Vegas odds are, but there's no reason to act like the Colts are going to walk in here and walk over the Jets. They may, or they could get beat by three touchdowns, okay? I mean, that's what the Colts are right now. They're not a team where you can get a predictable level of performance right now. They're just too young. They're too injured. There's too much going on. So I don't know that we can make any assumptions going into this game. Um, I mentioned the running game for the Jets. That's something where I think this game will, will teach us something about this defense because those of you who have been around a long time, you know that when Tony Dungy ran a similar scheme to this, which was basically the same scheme, uh, they often had trouble against a run, against power running teams. And that's where, you know, when you're sort of a slight defense and you've got a little bit of a, a slender defensive line, and and not necessarily the bulky, you know, sort of, um, you know, three hundred and you know, twenty five pounders up front. You know, sometimes you can get a little bit overpowered in the running game. So this is going to be one of those tests. Right now, the Colts are actually holding their own. They're giving up three point nine yards per carry. Uh, it's not great. It's not terrible. But it's it's acceptable. Uh, you, you definitely want the number to be under four. Uh, ideally, most coaches. I know they want it to be under 3.5. So that's when you're really, you're really getting uh, results is when you get it under 3.5. So they're, they're a little higher than they want to be, but this game will tell us a little more about it and we'll see what happens. Um, uh, the the Jets got something going there, but on on the positive side for the Colts, they've got a young quarterback in Sam Darnold, and I think this is an opportunity for Matt Eberflus to really put the heat on a young quarterback. Now the Colts don't get real cute on defense, so they're not a team that's going to roll out 16 new pressures because they're playing a rookie quarterback and try to confuse him. That's really not their style. But I do think if you're if you're going to play the young quarterback, you might as well throw a couple of. Uh, surprises at him, so you know maybe you see a couple of maybe you see more twists and turns this week. Maybe you see uh, a Darius Leonard blitz or two. You know they they've dialed up some good blitzes for Darius Leonard, and he's gotten home. He's got what two or three sacks now. So I think this may be an opportunity where they can do some things like that. Try to trick the young quarterback, uh, but they got to take the opportunities when they get it. So they're not playing Tom Brady this week. So there's that. You're not fooling Tom Brady. Maybe you can fool Sam Darnold. So we'll see how it goes, but. I've probably talked your ear off enough for the night, uh, so I'm going to stop here. But again, a lot going on with this team. Really interested to see what they can do. They got to get a win, and I think it will kind of you know boost the confidence of some of these young guys. I mean they're 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 playing a lot, and they're making some plays, but they're also having some setbacks. And I think it helps a young team to get that victory and to kind of you know change the. The, the attitude and, and to finally get some payoff right you know for a young team, see those efforts start to pay off. So you don't want these guys to get comfortable with losing. That's something that I think happened last year. Too many young players got comfortable with losing. You don't want to ever set that kind of culture. You don't ever want that development to happen. So I think it's important the Colts get a win here and get a few wins, frankly, in the next several weeks because uh, you want to really, as I said, change that sort of uh, conversation in the locker room and and start to see the coaches' uh, lessons and and principles start to pay off with some victories, and then the messages I think resonate a lot more. So anyway, that's at least theoretically. <laughs> so we'll see if that actually pans out. So that's the story for me. That's all I got for right now. I'll be back next week. We'll see what happens in the Meadowlands. Stay tuned. To my Twitter feed, I'm at Holder Steven, H-O-L-D-E-R-S-T-E-P-H-E-N. You can find me there. You can find me on TheAthletic.com. Uh, hit me up on Twitter. If you haven't subscribed, I'll try to find you a discount code and maybe uh, help you uh, cut down on the cost a little bit, but it's not too bad. So hope, hopefully the subscribers are enjoying uh, our coverage of the Colts and 31 other teams in the league as well. So... That's all I got, folks. Enjoy your weekend, enjoy the game, and I'll talk to you next week. Thanks for listening.
0: Hello, I'm Spencer Hall from SB Nation, and I want to tell you about my new show, It Seems Smart. It Seems Smart is a show about people doing things that, for some reason or another, seem smart at the time. Those things might include